You are listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com backslash CivCast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to a new episode of CivCast. I am your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dan. Hello, Dan. Happy New Year, Kyle. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. And yes, to our fine folks out there, Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, Today is officially the 1st of uh, January 2017, so we're crazy, uh, overly dedicated podcasters, one could say, maybe. Uh, (laughs) Dan, you're, you know, on vacation right now, and you're still here joining us for the show. No, it's it's all good, man. I mean, it's less about the vacation, more about the fact that I managed to uh, crawl my way over to the computer after a little bit of New Year's Eve libation last night. But uh, I'm feeling good, you could say. I'm feeling better than I thought I would. (laughs) Wow. Well, I'm glad you are. I hope you also have, like, a cup of coffee handy, like I do. intravenous caffeine my friend intravenous you really need it you need it so for everyone that um maybe had have just gotten civ over the holidays for christmas or something or otherwise um if you're new to the show welcome civcast is our little weekly podcast on all things sid meyer civilization uh we primarily focus on civ 6 here as that just came out a couple months ago uh you think we just got past the the two-month mark of having civ in our our hands so uh, that's really, really cool. So welcome to the show. Um, I Again, my name is Kyle. I started this show back in July of 2016. So eh, we're going on six-ish months right about now. Uh, and and Dan, do you want to tell the fine folks about you? Yeah, sure. I, I joined in, when did I join? October? Mm. September, October? Yeah, I want to say you joined right, you probably joined right around when Civ 6 came out. Yeah, so I, I joined around there. I mean, I've been playing these games since probably, uh, shoot, since like Civ 3. And I picked up Civ 6 on release. And Kyle was kind enough to invite me on here. And so uh, we just kind of we just kind of riff off each other here, have some fun, talk about the game. And uh, I try and fill in with the odd kind of historical anecdote, sometimes relevant, sometimes uh, completely irrelevant. But that's kind of my background and my jam. So let, let's face it. Dan brings the uh, the details and intelligence. Kyle brings the transitions. Boom. Um, there we go. Speaking of well-oiled machine. <laughs> speaking of, let's uh, let's pivot over here and talk about our fun uh, weekend Civ. I was um, playing as Poland a bit. I, I tried my hand at the Civcast challenge for all of a minute. We can talk about that in a bit. Um, but I played Poland there, and um, I was actually, you know, kind of with New Year's. I'm not a big resolution, re- yeah, it wasn't, yeah, not a big New Year's resolution setter. Um, but this year, I'm kind of going to focus more on getting our YouTube channel um, a bit more filled out. I have some cool setup here, you know, to do some podcasting. I'm like, I might as well be taking advantage of it. How often do you have, you know, computers and stuff that are all working at the same time? So. Uh, I'm going to take advantage of it, and I'm going to do some podcasting, and um, it, or going to do some YouTubing, some streaming. And if you want to watch that, you can head, head over to bit.ly backslash KDS Live. stands for Kyle Dempster Studios. So head over there. Um, we're going to do some cool stuff. Innocentius, uh, who joined us a couple weeks back on the show, he and I wound up um, playing a game as the Congo this past week. We said we were only going to play for like an hour, wound up doing like two and a half plus hours. 
I was playing the Congo. He was simply watching my stream as a backseat driver, giving me input on the game, and it was super, super fun. Um, so, Dan, I can't wait to get you involved in with this uh, whole thing, and, and we're going to have him back to the show in a couple weeks here. Yeah, no, I, I would love to get on for one of those. We can sync up our schedules and figure out a day where the three of us can go on, and he can totally just destroy us at the game and make us look like complete amateurish fools. But we'll learn something, so it won't be so bad. And you know what the other fun thing was, Dan? Just a simple kind of back-to-roots to sort of thing there. We had a lot of time to learn things about one another. Like, we were just sharing in the, you know, it's, it's this past week where Christmas was happening. He was telling me about all the festivities they have there and how, you know, big everyone goes for the holidays. So it was just fun. We had some fun banter and, and learned some new mechanics. So, yeah, join us, please. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, oh, that, that's a great initiative. And, and that kind of thing is, is a great way, too, for people, not just to learn new things, but just to, I mean, Let's Plays are, Let's Plays are a great way to, to kill time and to learn something about a game simultaneously. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this on the air live. I haven't, I haven't talked uh, this over with Valter just yet, but maybe we might look into doing something like a, um, almost like an intermediate how to play. Because um, if you notice, a lot of the, the, the YouTubers out there seem to angle towards like a very... Uh, elite version, you know, they're very min maxi in their videos, which is awesome. You know, people are typically looking to get uh, the bigger details or the, the, the end game stuff to fight on deity. Um, but maybe we might do something that's like, hey, you just came from Civ 5. Here are basic things that have changed and how you can master those quickly. We're going to figure it out one step at a time. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's I think that's a good plan. And uh, then if I can hop on there, we can have some fun and we can have some more stuff to talk about on here. Which would be great. So how, how about you? Yeah. What were you up to this week, Dan? Get any gaming in? Was, yeah, I did. It was a busy week because of the holidays and stuff. And I'm, I'm away on holiday on vacation right now, actually. But I managed to fit some in, particularly at the start of the week. And um, I think... I think we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. I think the main the main game I was playing uh, before I left was one where I was playing with uh, France on the Earth map. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, I mean, I love I love the map and everything. I love the setup on it, and I love I love what they've done with it, and, and the rollout of it is it's really cool. But I think I might be in love with it more um, theoretically than in the way it was actually executed in this game because. It's man, it's got some serious at least out of the gate right now. It, it seems to have some serious balance issues. Case in point, um, in this France game, I said the game rolled me on uh, the eastern part of South America, so kind of around where um, in the real world, around where Brazil is. And I noticed right away that there are three sieves on South America. And later on in the game, when I rolled out to um, sort of explore to check out the main continents and stuff, I landed in Eastern Asia and taking a look around that continent, there were none. There were no other sieves on it. So the spread and the way that the sieves were kind of distributed around the map was not super handy, not super logical, I guess you could say. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's a balance thing or if that's a luck of the draw kind of thing. But so, um, quick it's, question. It's, weird. It, it, it's, it's not true start, though, automatically, right? Like, it is random. No. It is random, yeah. So, so you know what? I mean, it might just be bad luck or whatever you want to call it for me on my part. Well, but, I asked that um, question because I rolled that. Like I said, I played the Congo. I had done um, like I, I rolled one before I did a, a YouTube stream and stuff like that, and then I rolled again, and uh, it, it gave me the same exact start for 
the Congo. Um, maybe you know, maybe in one of them, I just hadn't fully explored the world. Maybe things did wind up being a little bit different. But it started me um, exactly next to like a patch of bananas and I think like silver or gems or something like that. So I knew I was like, this starts exactly the same as the last game. I was curious and did not test it enough to know if it was true starts. But I had remembered you last time talking about having like. Brogamesh right in the middle of America or something. So it was like, I didn't yeah. think it's true start. No, it, you know what, man? It's not, but they have gone true to life in terms of resource distribution and stuff. Like if you're on South America, for instance, it's not, there's nothing weird. Like it's all, it's all resource appropriate and it's all kind of gamed out and set out in, in a realistic, true to whatever, true to, true to earth way. And mm-hmm. that's cool. But um, that means I think that influence is probably the start bias so, um, the, I mean, because just, yeah. you're with a sieve, you're always going to be put um, somewhere that's, you know, um, conducive to your start bias. So there's probably only a few different places for each of these sieves that they can put you. So you might get pigeonholed into one or two areas because it's not random seating on the map, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's sort of random in the sense that it's random where they put you, but the map itself is a randomly seated, man. It is the same map every time. And in one sense, that's really cool and really fun. And that's why I love it. But in the other sense, it's... uh it's not super, whatever, not super surprising, I guess. Yeah, actually, you might have solved it right there. That makes total sense. You know, if there's only like a couple big, um, you know, let's say there's only like three rainforest starts or something like that in the game, it, it does make sense that it would uh, have to have to prioritize some of it. You know, if you have, I, I don't know if Brazil gets a rainforest. I think they get a rainforest starting bonus or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they do, absolutely. So it'd be absolutely. them, the Aztecs, the Congo, like they're all getting like the same kind of... Uh, starting bonuses or starting a you know priority so i could see that and i think i had all of them in one game so that would definitely shift me around on the map i'm sure yeah and it's still fun don't get me wrong i still love it because i love it's just i don't know it's 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 almost like a your own kind of build your own scenario kind of thing and in that sense i think it's awesome but i mean maybe if you play more than like three or four and you kind of get the same I mean, there's no surprise to it, right? There, right. There's no surprise. So you know exactly what's east of you, what's west of you, what's north of you, and what's south of you, once you figure out where you are. So in that sense, it's, it's less in terms of the uh, the exploration and the surprise and everything. But I still encourage people to try it because it is a ton of fun. I agree with that. Um, any, let's see. Oh, actually, you know what, Dan? We got a question in on Twitter that you might be uh, uh, capable to answer because I, I heard Ooh. you were doing some China recently. Um, uh-huh. But one of our listeners, Nick Semmer, I believe is the pronunciation. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Um, on Twitter, tweeted us and asked uh, if we could explain a little bit about how to use, um, uh, what's, how do you say his name again? I'm pronouncing Chin- Man, you're making me go for pronunciation China- class Qi-Huang. again. All right. It's, okay, China's the, leader. The Q is like a TS, so it's Xin 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 Xi Huang. I, the worst part is, is um, I was prepared earlier in the week. I, I looked it up and worked on my pronunciation stand, <laughs> and then we pushed the show, and it's, it's New Year's morning, and Kyle's dead. Okay, so China's leader, who Kyle can't pronounce because he doesn't understand um, Chinese pronunciations, um, he was asking uh, how that wonder ability works in Civ Six. So, um, for anyone that doesn't know, China and their leader has the um, the First Emperor ability, and that uh, gives you your builders um, a charge to complete 15% of wonder cost um, for ancient and classical wonders. So that's something to keep in mind, right, Dan? Um, And you can tell me how this worked out for you, because that bonus right there is strictly 
an era-specific one. Like, they, they can use a charge, and they get to complete 15% of the wonder. So you walk a builder on the wonder, you press the button, takes up 15% of his, um, or takes up, it, it does 15% of the wonder build and takes a charge to do it. But then on top yeah, of that, they get that extra yeah. point, right? Extra charge. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, it, you can expend it and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like you're missing out on anything, so to speak. And it does really help. It helped me get Stonehenge on Emperor difficulty, which mm-hmm. is not easy to do all the time, right? On a standard yeah. speed map. But I, um, I keyed in on it specifically and it, it helps a hell of a lot. You know, you don't, I think that a lot of his his bonuses are, are incremental. Like if you look at that, and you look at the tech bonus that he gets, they're not um, they don't stand out as being these really hard and fast, tangible kind of things. But when you use them in the game, they help you. Um, they help you incrementally, and they help you over time too. Like when you get later in the game, they help you a ton with tech building and stuff. Like with with uh, a science play, which is what I was doing, mm-hmm. it helps you. Uh, helps you a ton. Oh, I bet. And I can only imagine like knocking out the Oracle early on with that ability. Um, yeah, the Oracle gives you that plus two great person thing every turn, I think, for the city that it's built in or something like that. So yeah, that would yeah. really get yeah. your great person game um, off to a great start, I think. For sure. And, and it's, it's fun to play that way, too, because you can – the way that I was playing it, too, um, I went super isolationist. So I only built like three uh, – three, I want to say three or maybe four cities. And then I just um, stuck the uh, the Great Wall tile improvement around all four cities, and I just got to win just by building, basically building tall instead of building wide, as the old classic saying goes. I'm a really fan. I'm a really big fan of playing tall in Civ, um, and which which so Valter and I were kind of talking about this. Um, he was showing me that he really does go for clustering those cities uh, because a lot of perks of putting your districts next to one another and things like that. But I have to say, I'm a I'm a big. Um, I like to go tall with my cities. I'd rather just have let's say like three or four easy to manage, but really beefed up bulky cities that can pump out a ton of units do you dan do you typically go more of a wide or do you go tall more often or somewhere in the middle yeah but the reason that i generally do that is actually kind of a funny one like back in the day well specifically i guess around the days of of four i think when i really started playing more seriously i just my computer was just so crap that really if if i tried to spread out and build like seven or eight different different cities or whatever i would every turn right every next turn would take me like two or three minutes or whatever so and you know my frame rate would just absolutely submarine so for practicality's sake, man, yeah, I would just, I would stick, I would stick going tall. I stick with one or two. Um, I mean, I have a way better computer now, but I still <laughs> prefer doing it. You know, I, I still, I, I still have way more fun doing that and just kind of micromanaging more of a smaller, whatever, a, a smaller area, a smaller spread. Well, to your point right there, I find um, that, in, that in Civ Six, I'm having a hard time when it gets to us having like six or so cities under control or, or more than that even. You know, in Civ Five, I would bulldoze the world and I would always go for a domination victory, but you could puppet city or you could puppet um, captured yeah. states. So whenever yeah. you take a, an enemy city, you didn't have to micromanage it. You're just like, nope, you pledge your fealty to me, you send me your money, and then I just ignore you. Uh, but in this case, you're micromanaging yeah. every single city, and there really isn't um, like in Civ Five, you could throw in a uh, like let's focus on money, and they would just f- constantly uh, produce you know extra cash out of the city. There's just now projects to do, so that still you know involves extra clicks. So there's not even mm-hmm. like an end game thing to just let it slow burn and and let them do their own thing. You are always going to be micromanaging them. 
No, but and and on on what you were talking about before, actually, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but uh, yet rather, but I actually kind of miss puppeting um, in this game. I, I miss having that. I actually really liked that, and I know that some people didn't. They thought it was um, another one of those things where you're kind of relinquishing control. But I I thought it was super useful because now it's kind of an all or nothing, boom or bust kind of approach when you conquer something, and that. I don't know. I liked having that third kind of option. You know, you'd have your five or six puppeted states and you'd feel, you'd feel like Geppetto. Yeah. I'm with you though. I really, really miss it. That was one of my, uh, my favorite things to do. Uh, especially when you're, you know, you're, you're playing like a conquering sort of game. It's very, I guess in this one, I, I, I will probably in Civ six raise more cities than keep I'm thinking unless like, and, and I, I've been more picky when I, when I see a city that I take, uh, I'm like, well, is it, does it have good population? If it doesn't, you know, goodbye. If it's in a weird area, goodbye. Like, I'm just a lot quicker to raise it than keep it necessarily, you know, but if, if it's good, I'll keep it. But that just means extra mental bandwidth goes to building it up and, you know, doing all the other stuff and planning districts for that city. And I'm like, I don't, I don't care enough about your city to plan a district there. Oh, so. for sure. And then if if you've had like a really big, long, drawn out conflict or whatever, and you have to rebuild everything, it, it just becomes like, it, for practicality's sake, it just becomes a pain in the ass. So I hear you. I probably raise more than keep or repair. But if you see one that's like um, strategically in a good spot or something like that, you might be a bit more inclined to keep it. But I don't know. It It's just... I'm with you. It just it just seems a lot easier just to click that raise button and watch it burn. Watch really it burn is. Hey, yeah. at least your wonders um, come back onto the uh, the table to build them whenever you raise a city. So if you knock yep. out a city with a wonder, you can easily rebuild that. Uh, yep. Dan, do you want to just quickly recap Civcast Challenge for the week? Let us know uh, where they, people can find us and where they can participate in that. Sure. So uh, Kyle's got the information up on the website. Mm-hmm. So if you go to kylemsterstudios.com backslash civcast, is that the right That, that is that correct, right yes. Sorry, I wasn't awesome. trying to challenge you in, in, in URLs here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've, I've been around for long enough now that I got to memorize, so we're good. Um, but if you go there, you'll see the uh, conditions for the one that we have going on right now. Um, it should all be up there. It's uh, it's using the DLC, uh, so it's using Poland and it's using the Planet Earth Map DLC. Which actually, we had an email about, or a, not an email, uh, a tweet this week uh, where we had a fellow remind us that you can't actually play that map um, with more than eight people. Which yes. I I completely spaced on when I when I uh, laid the conditions out for the challenge. So he reminded us that it is only set for standard right now. So. Um, I think that we've we've amended that on the site, right? And the conditions? We have, yes, I, we, okay. we did indeed. Cool. So cool. that's all Good. updated there. So people yeah, can awesome. participate so, and tag us. Perfect, perfect. So uh, we've had people participate a ton over the past, uh, you know, past two or three months really since we've had the thing um, start. So if, I mean, we, we love seeing these posts. We love seeing these um, Twitter storylines and pictures and everything like that. So keep them coming. Um, and the uh, hashtag is SaveCastChallenge. And please... If you're doing it, be sure to hashtag us because it's hard for us to keep track of all of the people doing it uh, without the without the hashtags and stuff. And that kind of gives us a, a nice centralized little place to keep track of it. Yes, so. it does. And the hashtag works great for that. One thing I do also want to remind people, um, if you have a question about the CivCast Challenge, for your for your own, you know, expediting of the question, um, make sure to tag at 
Civ underscore cast. Grab t- tag our Twitter in there as well. That way I get the notification saying like, hey, someone asked a question. I noticed some people were putting um just a question in the hashtag feed, which is totally fine. But I admit I'm, I don't check that feed as often. You know, it's like a manual check instead of like a push notification. So just in the urgency of time, if you're like, oh, I'm about to start a game, uh, tag us. So hopefully I can get to you before you start your game there and we can jump in and answer any questions you might have. But like Dan said, kyledempsterstudios.com backslash civcast. There's a link right there to the challenge and you will have all the details. Speaking of some feedback from last week, we had some awesome people write in about, um, the DLC, Dan, that, that took place, um, just and, and I think this is a good time to recap for anyone that missed last week's episode due to the holidays or anything like that. Go check out, uh, that would be episode 15 on the feed. Uh, we recorded that one on Christmas Eve, so that was our little Christmas Eve special. Um, we talked about the 2016 winter update to the game and the two DLCs that were released. So if you happen to miss out on that, Firaxis released a free winter update for the game, which involves some bug fixes, some AI tweaks, some um, just different adjustments all around. Uh, we got the alert button back for our units, just, you know, some UI things and a lot of under the hood sort of stuff. But worth it to go read those patch notes on their website. Um, you can just Google uh, Civilization VI 2016 winter update, and I'm sure you will find all the details. We also def- definitely posted it on our Twitter at least once, uh, but probably easier to Google. And in addition to the free update, we got two DLC packs that, Dan, you thank you, last week you pointed out that there was a little bit of, I don't even know if I want to say, I guess it would be backlash, right? You know, so people were had their feathers ruffled about these DLC packs and the cost of them. Yep. Yeah, no, people were people were upset about it. I mean, I was I was checking Reddit this week and I was checking Steam and and it seems like people are pretty they have some pretty strong thoughts and feelings on this, which I guess shouldn't be surprising. I think maybe we downplayed it a little bit last week in the sense that like for me, and I, I totally um surrendered any and all right to yes. <laughs> feelings on this last week because I, I didn't buy the deluxe. So I um this doesn't really affect me, but I do know that we got um, some some listener mail about this, just kind of talking about sort of more specifically why people are upset. And actually, the the mail uh, specifically one of the messages I was reading. Do you want to go? Do you want to go and actually. read one of these, Dan? You can yeah, totally read. Absolutely, feel absolutely. free to use so, uh, their first name and first initial of their last name or whatever you want to do. Read away. I will do that. I will do that. So Justin sent us in um, email under the subject, and this pretty much tells us right away what it's about. It <laughs> says Poland, Poland DLC outrage. So uh, he's not one to mince words. I mean, he said uh, in the message itself, says, I was listening to last week's show, and I think that you guys missed some of what the outrage was over. Uh, when many of us purchased the deluxe edition, it indicated that we would receive four DLC, but also by paying the $20 extra, this would make the DLC a discount. If the other two DLC cost $5 each, as they do standalone, I guess, uh, then it would have cost the same to purchase the DLC now as we paid for the Deluxe Edition, thus making the Deluxe Edition worthless since we got no discount. So that's from Justin, and he's actually pretty bang on. Um, yeah. If all the DLC costs standalone what it what the first two that they released cost, which was 5 570 I think, or something like that, then really people are getting a grand total of what like four four dollars discount, which Woo. 
is yeah, which is I don't think what they're expecting. I think they're expecting something more along the lines of what Five did, where they'd release um, like two or three sieves at a time or, or larger scale releases that would be like eleven or twelve dollars. And I went back and looked at how much these cost when they first released them. Yeah, how, and how much they was were? That? Yeah, it was like it was like twelve dollars. Um, I I pretty sure that's actually American. So um, like up here in in Canada, that would be like fifteen bucks for a DLC. Um, pack or whatever at the time. So if going by that metric, yeah, you're saving a ton of money, but going by the... And it seems funny that we're complaining about things costing less money. I mean, that seems absurd, but I think that Oh, that's that's who, funny and true. You're right. Yeah, and and just for the record, for Axis, I'm not actually complaining. You could keep it exactly where it is. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So yeah. so let me just jump in for half a second here. First of all, I want to remind people. I I forgot to say this that, that the two DLC packs we're talking about in question here. If you haven't seen the news, um, they added Poland as a civilization, which I think is awesome. Like, way to go! I love getting new civilizations in the game. Also, Poland seems really well thought out. Um, you know, we were we're talking about. It and we were really big fans of it last week, and I, I liked playing them too. So awesome. Add as many civilizations as we can handle. I love it. Do it. But then we also got a scenario pack added, which was the Viking scenario pack. I don't really care about scenario packs at all. It's not something I really am gonna play, um, especially one so specific as this Viking scenario pack. It's very like, you know, you've got your sieve in mind, sort of thing. Um so I, I don't know. I, I'm not doing the scenario pack so much. But what's the bummer? You know, they are five dollars a piece. I just checked the, the you know the store here in America, and, and it's five or four ninety nine. Um, so you know, at that case, they're right. You know, that's not that bonus isn't really. Or I'm sorry. You know, buying that package pre order deal didn't really save any cash. And um, last week, Dan, I was on the side of not being so outraged. And I'm not outraged by any means, but thanks to Justin R for writing in because that is a good point. That's something I didn't even think of that we really didn't get our discount out of it or any sort of real discount. I mean, whatever, if, if we're paying about the same price, that's fine. But then that made me think one step further where people were initially complaining about the Aztecs being withheld as um, a pre-order bonus. So for the people that were, for anyone that did not pre-order the game, they had to wait for a 90-day exclusivity window on playing the Aztecs, meaning that they will be soon available. But uh, now with this sort of thing where it's like, okay, you didn't save money on these DLC packs and we withheld the Aztecs, now I'm starting to look at the Aztecs in a negative light, meaning... Initially, I was defending them, saying, hey, at least these are going to be free soon enough. It's just a time question. Just three months from now, you will get them for free instead of having to pay, like, some absorbent amount. But now it's like, okay, well, if we didn't get a discount on the DLCs and you did kind of withhold a character, in this case, I'm starting to see this doesn't really read to me as, like, bonus deluxe content so much as it does the exact same thing you would normally get just wrapped up in a bundle. Uh... I, is yeah. am I hitting it? Am I right? Am I crazy? I don't know. Well, someone else on Reddit pointed out another thing too that I had, I had no idea of, but they pointed out. Um, I think actually closer to release date, someone had mined some of the like M I N E D mm-hmm. some of the like um, some of the games 
like internal files or whatever. I, don't ask me how. I have I have zero clue how that kind of stuff works. But they they were mining some of the uh, built-in internal files and data of the game, and they saw that um, Poland was already built into the game at release. Oh. So um, interestingly enough, this guy on Reddit swooped back uh, last week to say that you know yeah that was already all that content was already there in the game. It just basically was locked or mm-hmm. whatever. So. Yep. I mean, with the release of the DLC, you're basically just unlocking uh, already existing content. So it wasn't like it was something that they necessarily um, created over the past couple months, yeah. I guess. It was already there. So I think a few people were upset about that as well, seeing that as being um, something that was already there. And along with the Aztec thing, yeah, people who didn't pre-order, um, they, they still don't have access and they won't have access for another 30 days. Yep. And I feel like then what's going to happen is you're going to have all these, these Christmas buyers and all these people who are like, Oh, you know, like free, free new content or whatever. When that comes along in, in mid, mid to late January, when in actuality it's, it's not, it's, it's content that was already existing for people who were there on day one. And I don't really know how I feel about that. I think that kind of, kind of what you're saying. I mean, it, it, it should be some, that's not the kind of thing that I feel should be necessary. Like pre-order bonus content like that is something that all these gaming companies are coming out with now. And I guess the pre-ordering of a game is, is better for their bottom line. It allows mm-hmm. their, their, their cash funnel to open up on that game earlier and sooner. And that's a benefit to them if they're looking to build expansions and DLC and stuff like right. that. And so, you know, economically you get that, that makes sense, but it does feel a bit, um, and I, uh, again, I don't want to sound bitter about these things, but it does feel a bit cash grabby, um, and it does feel a bit unfair to those who maybe um, were waiting to see how the game looked at release before buying it, and who still paid, you know, the same price, but just paid it a week later to miss out on content for whatever three, three and a half months. That seems a bit uh, seems a bit hokey and a bit. Um, I don't know, a bit false to me, I guess. But I, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't feel super strongly about it because I don't think that we're entitled to any of this content. But um, I think that I can certainly see why some people would um, be upset You know, it's if you held off to see how, how the game was received and then you have to wait another three months before you receive one of these foundational sieves. It can be can be upsetting for sure. Uh, you know, and, and it, it's a it's a big point of confusion too. Um, I want to read one of our other people that wrote in. We got Justin. So we had Justin R a second ago, and now we have Justin D writing in. He said that four years ago he incorrectly equated a season pass um, with uh, with quote unquote all of our content for the game Borderlands Two. He said at some point uh, a piece of content came out that didn't automatically download in Steam. He went back, read the fine print, was angry for a moment, and then begrudgingly had to give them kudos for, you know, kind of obscuring their plot and uh, kind of keeping it a little bit of a secret that you weren't going to get all the DLC. Um, so he said, for this reason of Civ Six, I thought I was ready. I read all the fine print on both Steam and their site in 2K's domain. Felt like I'd be getting um, with the Deluxe Edition what he was paying for. Uh, I feel I was getting my money worth already but man why did they have to dock two of my dlcs on the same day that felt like an insult and 2k convinced him to uh go back to waiting for game of the year edition so uh first just an aside here for a second um the the, kind of the fine print to my recollection for this uh when you did the dlc pack via steam for um or not dlc pack when you did the deluxe edition purchase you were told you would get four DLCs coming out, and as Dan and I spent a lot of time talking about last week, we felt that 
Poland and this Viking pack could have easily been one. And, um, you know, I have to say, though, I, I bet you. Well, OK, so here's here's a here's a thought back to all these pricing things. Had they made those two packs one thing? So if we combine Poland and the Vikings, that probably would have cost then about ten dollars worth of DLC content. I'm not really arguing the five dollars. I think five dollars, as we said, is a pretty reasonable price for a thing of DLC. It's not awful. It's not through the roof. It's fine. But if you take it in that case, that that would be one of your four packs and you'd get, you know, both the Poland Poland and Vikings as one out of four, that's like $40 we're talking about instead of now just like basically $20. So you it would have actually been a deal to buy that bundle, but now, you know, it's 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 a break even, really. Uh, so I, I can understand why people want to wait for the game of the year. And we've talked about things like that in the past to how, you know, buying a game for a cheaper price, um, doesn't always help the game company. But then again, that's all based on trust too. You know, if, if you're not feeling like they're giving you your money's worth, you are definitely entitled to hold out for game of the year editions and not pay, you know, a full price on any of these things. It is, uh, definitely up to the buyer and where you want to put your value. Yeah. And to Justin D's email, this whole idea of the the season pass. I I play a lot of video games, and I would n- I have never once to this point been tempted to buy a season's pass for any game. I feel like my season's pass is the eighty dollars that I spend, and that's what it is Canadian eighty dollars I spend on the game out of the gate. Like I understand if you are f- if you have a constant funnel of DLC that you need to as a company be paid for that, but a, a season's pass mm-hmm. is is one of the most frustrating as as an as an older gray-haired gamer the whole season's pass idea man is one of the most frustrating cash grabby ideas i've seen yet and i don't know how people have have come to like accept that as being um, a standard thing like all these games that are released on playstation store and steam and stuff now they're released with these season passes and that is that is to me just completely um, I don't know even what the word I'm looking for is completely contrived and completely like you're like you're setting up um, the the people your 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 consumers out of the gate you're setting them up to already be paying more money for things that they won't even get all of like to Justin's point there about how he didn't get all the Borderlands 2 DLC with it and I certainly hope I don't see that as being what Fraxis is doing here Civ, just for the record I think that they're smart enough to um, to release it in in increments and to release it just piece by piece and not try and force people into buying this year long membership thing. Like this is your new year's resolution gym pass or whatever, (laughs) but, but like they're doing it the right way. But still I can see from some of these emails and from reading some of the Reddit and steam feedback, why people would feel like they not were duped, but maybe misled a little bit. And to that, to that respect, I, I, I defer, first of all, because I didn't buy the deluxe edition. Mm-hmm. And also I um I acknowledge that maybe I was a bit um maybe I was a bit too reactive last week in the, the way I was talking about it. Well, you know, I, I again I I don't this is not from my perspective a huge bashing on Firaxis. Um, as I've said on the show many times before, I'm very happy with them as a game company, definitely as compared to a lot of the others. I think a lot of the other people really are uber cash grabby and it really comes 
like over the top with them. Like, for example, like EA to me is like the definition of kind of a sleazy car salesman that really wants to just sell you a lemon. Like, hurry, take this crappy car and 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 go back home. It's gonna suck. You're gonna hate it, but give us your eighty dollars. And also, by the way, buy the season pass, which last year was my case with Star Wars Battlefront. To anyone out there that loves Star Same. Wars Battlefront, I'm very sorry. I am absolutely opposed to you in that belief. Um, I hate that game so much. I bought it and despise it uh, as an Dude, old same as an old Battlefront 1 and 2 player back in the old days with the Xbox, the original Xbox. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I think it's an awful iteration and I rarely say that I hate a video game so adamantly, but I was very, very let down, and I feel so bad. I had a friend last um, last year, you know, it was kind of his, like, uh, basically Christmas gift early that he picked up that game. And he's like, oh, my God, this sucks. And he played the um, – <laughs> he played their demo or their open beta or something that was happening, and he was digging it then. And he's like, yeah, yeah these maps are cool. They're going to add all this extra content and whatever it launches. Guess what? They did not launch extra content. It basically rolled to your doorstep with – I don't know. It was an embarrassing amount of maps, like three or four maps you could play, and uh, it was just bad. And I mean, no single player campaign. Like, you want to give me a game with no single player campaign? Are you freaking kidding me, EA? That is that is absurd. And you know, we've talked also uh, about my disdain for for the the Sims and uh, how EA's handling that as well. Um, this could basically turn into an EA bashing uh, uh, podcast, but that's not what this is. Um, a YouTuber that I really like, I'll give him a shout out, is the, I think it's LGR Lazy Game Reviewer. I'll have to look that up while uh, while you're doing your historical minute, and I'll give him a real, oh, Lazy Game Reviews. That was easy to find. Um, he does some fun ones where he's he's like a huge Sims fan and a lot of other games, but he's always kind of like, he, he, he did this thing where he got this little um, fabric-y doll and cut off an arm, like almost like with a, a hangman style. He like cut off an arm every time EA released a new pointless DLC pack that was like, why is this a thing? He ended up killing this doll in like no time at all. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Just an interesting way to deal. Battlefront, man. Battlefront, I agree. Sorry, sorry for interrupting you there, but I just wanted yeah. to get my point across on Battlefront. I 100% agree with you, Kyle. I remember when I bought Battlefront, I was tempted to buy the Seasons Pass for once because I was like, okay, I've never bought one of these Seasons mm-hmm. Passes, but I feel like if they're going to be releasing all this awesome content within the first couple weeks, I want to be there with it. Right. And I didn't, and I, I'm super glad that I didn't because I think I played the game for like a month and a half, and I was like, oh, like this is this is dull. This is dull. And I think just now they're releasing like the Death Star content for it and stuff a year later. I did pick up the season pass for it. And I, oh, I did this man. I did this all through a, a massive deal um, where, where I paid uh, like half price for everything. I got like a bundle thing happening online. And it, I kind of just lucked out like that, that I didn't spend the full amount. However, that friend I mentioned, I think he did. And it was an awkward – oh, so this was, this is was basically our, our New Year's for last year is – so we bought that game, really disliked it. I went on to Steam, picked up a two-copy thing of Don't Starve Together for $13 for two copies, one for me and my friend. We have had so much funny on this – so much fun on this small indie games thing for $13 between two people and – compared to like an EA blockbuster thing that was crap and had us turned away in a minute. So to get this rant back into the Civ 6 realm, for Axis, (laughs) I think that you guys are doing a good job and especially compared to your competitors. That being said, 
let's not strive for mediocre. Let's strive to be the best. And I think that Fraxis definitely has that uh, mindset. You know, all of this attention to detail of what the players are saying really, really matters because these other companies are not listening, at least if they're listening, that guy doesn't have any say within the company. It's like Joe Schmo at the computer reading Reddit and no one at the boardroom listens to him is probably the case. But uh, kudos to Firaxis for actually paying attention to what people want. We're seeing these um, – we're seeing a nice amount of these patches come out. You know, we already had the fall update. Then we had a winter update. So I'm just yeah. really glad to see them spending some time and and listening to us, hearing us out for what we want. And, and I guess on that exact note – Take to places like Reddit and such to post your thoughts because if they are listening, then you need to speak your mind. So go do it. You know, last week we were encouraging people. We were, we were discouraging people from posting all your things in the uh, the Steam comments. Those maybe aren't the best uh, places, the Steam review section. Probably maybe not the best place to get that read. I don't know. That's just a feeling. But it seems like they pay attention to Reddit. Um, so if you want to go voice your outrage or your constructive criticism or otherwise, go over to Reddit uh, RCIV. That's it. Have fun over yeah. there. Yeah, no, that, that would be a much more constructive way to do it, I think, than the way they're doing it before, for sure. I think that um, they'll actually look at that, A, and you're not, you're not you know, scaring people off of their purchase or whatever. I did notice, by the way, Kyle, that in the Steam Winter Sale that uh, Civ 5 is on for like 10 bucks, like oh, Civ wow. 5 Complete. So to uh, Justin D's point about Game of the Year editions and stuff, um, Civ 5 for 10 bucks with a complete DLC and all the expansions and stuff, man, that's uh, that's really good. So if you haven't played Civ 5, um, uh, I would highly recommended i mean i'm not telling you obviously to, to kind of point away from civ 6 because civ 6 i still think is a fundamentally better game and that's the one you should be spending your time and money on but if you're wanting a, a bit of a break and you want to see what some of the what some of the old stuff and what some of us old guys are always talking about when it comes to civ 5 um 10 bucks you can't go wrong i agree i, I totally agree there's some cool games here sitting on the uh the steam winter sale page um left for dead 2 is a great one for only four dollars or something like that there's some crazy stuff so go check out steam's winter sale like dan said you can pick up a uh, civ 5 if you'd like i think that's a i think that's a totally good thing to to promote there because if people want to check that out civ 5 is an awesome game if you did not get to play i mean I, six years of my life went to civ 5 so you know i have yeah. to oh, have phenomenal. to sign up with it and promote it it's fine. Yeah, for sure for sure uh what's this there's the sid meyer civilization anthology includes eight items Oh, it's like everything. It's Civ 3, 4, 5, and Beyond Earth. So for $33, you could pick up four games worth of content, maybe even more. Yeah. Well, I guess Beyond Earth, game. too, is, is dirt cheap in the in the winter sale right now. And I'm, I've, I guess, tempted-ish, maybe. I don't know. You could probably, in, in about two minutes, tempt, tempt me out of buying it. Did you? you so you haven't, you haven't played Beyond Earth, then? No, I haven't. I watched a lot of Let's Plays of it and everything like that around the time when it came out, and I, I put off buying it when it was released. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait for a couple months. And I just never came around to buying it. I just I didn't see enough positive stuff being said about it, and I didn't see enough being funneled into it. Um, so I just never ended up buying it. But right now, it's it's like it's like $8 Canadian to buy it. So I am... I'm, you know what would be fun? I will say... 
uh, to our friends over there that want to help uh, help Dan out, you should go to patreon.com backslash Sivcast. <laughs> but uh, Dan, if you pick up this this game, I'm not really actually pressuring you to do it. Do whatever you want. But if you pick it up at some point, you might be able to get it even cheaper than $8 at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be fun to do an episode kind of talking about our feelings on Beyond Earth, what didn't exactly happen correctly and all of that. Because... I have some strong feelings in different directions. I don't think it's as awful as people thought, but I definitely – it did not keep me around too, too long. So that could be fun someday. Yeah, that seems like kind of the universal consensus on it is that it was a good shot and it was a good um, attempt at, at Civ in space, but it just wasn't, I don't think, what people were hoping for. Yeah, I, I – yep, I think that's it. So I, I would love to go into the, the detail of it. Like, you know, it wasn't even the full Firaxis crew on it. That was some skeleton crew um, kind of being experimental and sandboxy. So I mm-hmm. uh, would love to get into that later. But you know what? We're going to keep this episode a little bit short today, New Year's Day. So let's go relax and have fun. Dan, do you want to go and tell us a little bit about China for your historical minute in Civil the Week? Sure. So the Great Wall improvement um, is, of course, China's uh, unique structure in mm-hmm. Civ 6 because I mean that's kind of what people equate with uh, with China as a civilization, China as a country. And that is of course one of the most visited uh, tourist attractions in the world. But the Great Wall as it stands right now is actually um, kind of a more of a spiritual successor to some of the earlier Great Walls. Now you were talking about um Xin Shi Huang before who is the uh the Civ leader of course of China in Civ 6. And he actually um is one of the things he's most famous for, and a little bit of historical synergy there with Civ Six, is he between uh, 220 and 206 BC kind of built the first iteration of the Great Wall. He built it in uh, small sections along uh, China's northern border, of course, with Mongolia and with. It wasn't directly intended to keep out just the Mongolians. It was meant to keep out a lot of those um, nomadic steppe civilizations that would um, that would invade. So he built. Um, the first iteration of the Great Wall that you see now, and he built it out of uh, brick and tamped earth and wood. So it wasn't it wasn't anything near the engineering now. Um, but he still he still built it initially, and it was a lot shorter than it is now. And it really the one that we see, the kind of modern Great Wall, um, was built on by the Ming Dynasty in the 14th century, um, and that is kind of where you saw a lot of the expansion um, to the east, again, to keep out a lot of these steppe civilizations and mm-hmm. certainly um, the worry uh, worries about the Mongols and the time were really prevalent in China. But um, some really cool synergy there. Again, as I always say, that Firaxis is implemented and they're having the guy who kind of um, started building the first Great Wall um, be the the civ leader in this game and have the actual improvement be as i mean to me the improvement in the game is super useful i love it some people think it's just aesthetic but to me i think it serves um as an awesome kind of um defensive structure if you're wanting to build tall so um if you think that the great wall is this thing that has you know stood for thousands of years in its current iteration it's actually not it's something that's been um that was built about 2500 years ago and has continued to be built upon right up until uh uh, really right up until the 17th century. So it was a long-term project for China. And that's some really cool stuff, too. Like, there's a lot of awesome... Uh, I will always find, like, a an ancient Chinese um, documentary or something like that very, very interesting or, you know, a look into the how the wall was built. You know, there's some crazy stories. Um, piece of the wall built out of people, right, Dan? Is that true? 
there people uh, in the wall? That's kind of an urban know. legend kind of thing. I figured yeah, that I don't one think is. it was actually, I don't think that there's like a part of the structure that's built of people. You mm. might have had, I did, I, I do remember reading that as part of um, punishment uh, for like runaways, slaves and, and such during the Ming dynasty period of building that they would um, wall up some people oh. inside of the fortification oh my. Uh, as a kind of, yeah, as wow. a kind of, uh, pretty particularly brutal execution method but um i don't think that's on i don't think that's on the pamphlets or on the brochures really you, uh, come on you, i figure it's like as history people you almost have to have a, an eye for this weird uh these weird parts of history i remember something specifically was like oh you know they actually almost slash kind of used it as almost a mass grave for some workers that died they just push them in and it's like okay that's Great. It's pretty grim. It's pretty grim. It is so that's, pretty grim. That's not the kind of stuff that you learn in uh, in you know history eleven or whatever. That's, I that's think that's where I learned I, that. Really? <laughs> I think so. Well, you had one hell of a teacher then. Yeah, he or she was uh, was a brave teacher. Yeah, I think that's exactly where I learned that. But then again, like I said, I, I asked the question because you know you don't know how much of an urban legend that sort of stuff is. Hey. Hey. Oh, a lot of that kind of stuff is, man. But oh, that definitely. one, I know the the one that I told you there that with about the people being um, wow. kind of walled into the actual structure. Um, that is is pretty well proven wow. in uh, in do- documented and recorded Chinese history. That so, is but not again, my favorite way to build things. No, man. You know, the, yeah, brick, mortar, and uh, people. Yes. Uh, Interesting foundation. Can I ask a question of your thoughts on the Great Wall in Civ Six versus Civ Five? Because Civ Five. Uh, it was not built as individual pieces. It was a wonder constructed in your city just like any other, uh, and it would automatically kind of pop up and be on the outskirts of all of your current owned tiles. So it was just yeah. a total, like, pop, it's here. Uh, now we're building one piece at a time. So uh, how's that working out for you? You liking it? The bonuses? Diff- they're diff- definitely different um, perks from it. Oh, I love it, man. I, I think that uh, I love the way they do it in this game. I think that the fact that you have to expend your charges and stuff in order to build it and you get to kind of game exactly where you want to build it is fantastic. It's more control. And so you don't have to necessarily just build it automatically along or it doesn't just automatically kind of manifest along your external borders or whatever, like in Civ Five. Now you can kind of, if you see there's this one strategic kind of um, choke point where you want to really wall it off, you can build it there and then you can kind of have it filter back into the borders of your city or whatever, which is what I did. I started it off a lo- right along the, the northernmost part of um, my northernmost city. And then I saw that there was kind of this one um, two hex wide um, mountain pass area that was a little bit further north of where I was intending to build it. So I just kind of I just kind of stretched it north and I walled off that pass and that um, really kind of enabled me to just completely um, seal up any possible entrance for I think it was I think it was ironically enough um, Japan who was looking to uh, to invade me in that one so I think it's great I think that the defensive bonuses that your units get from standing on it um, are are game changing for sure and they allow you to play the way I was playing which was a really kind of isolationist tall game as opposed to I mean it wouldn't be useful if you were building wide and if you were looking to conquer and stuff it really is right. functionally useless. Um, but if you're looking to build tall and kind of wall yourself off um, into your own little corner of the map, I think it's I think it's great. Well, I might have to give them another um, another shot and actually work on the wall. That could be a fun thing to do. Maybe stream something like that today. So maybe we'll see. We'll see. 
Um, cool. Get her done. What else do we have here, Dan? I think that kind of takes us to the end, right? Or did you? Yeah. Cool. Uh, let's no, see. Oh, I, th- I think that. Uh, well, if there was one more thing I want to talk about yeah. just really quickly about China, um, did you want to talk about the, their uh, crouching, dra- uh, bleh, c- crouching dragon? Crouching dragon. Their crouching dragon. Crouching dragon. Their uh, crouching tiger unit, I think, is uh, a little <gasps> underwhelming. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's. It feels like the one of those ones that you're always talking about, kind of how their their time in the sun is really short. Um, they, uh, I remember, I think I built like one, and I more built it just to kind of see it aesthetically, what it looked like. Mm-hmm. Functionally, it wasn't it wasn't super useful. I mean, it upgrades to the field cannon, which is you know I, I feel like it should just I think they should have made it stronger and made it replace the field cannon if they wanted to make it something that you know felt like it was more powerful and more useful for the long term because it stands right now um it's got really short range I think if I'm not mistaken it's only got one hex range I think you're right and for for a ranged unit that is that that's not really conducive to the way that people play like this whole ranged meta where you just churn out ranged units and you stick them two or three tiles back and you just have them um, rain fire down on the enemy from from all corners. I think that if you have to take these crouching tigers up um, to within one hex, they get they get mowed down pretty easily by cav. So they end up end up not being as as useful as you would hope. So in yeah. that sense, I'm a little underwhelmed by them to be honest. The one game I played, and the only reason I'm not going to attack these crouching uh, tiger guys, whatever these cannons are called, um, <laughs> whatever we're calling them, uh, yeah. is is that I, the one game I played, I was able to churn a good many of them out. I think I probably had like three and above, and mm-hmm. they were doing what I needed at the moment. But the range thing definitely had a huge impact on my game. Um, I was I remember having to take them through this like two hex. Um, Maybe it was only one hex wide. I was taking them between like a mountain pass and the ocean trying to get towards, I think it was like Gorgo or someone had a, a city there that I needed to take. They were at war with me, attacking me, and I'd finally pushed them back and was heading towards their capital. But I remember they were sending troops at me. I'm in this like rainforest next to the ocean between a mountain and I'm trying to shoot and they were doing a decent job. They were, I think they were really good at bombarding the city when I finally got there. I think that against units, they're a little bit maybe lacking, um, yeah. but we'll see. I should play today and, and, and come back with a better formulated opinion because that was just a one-off quickie thing. So. I think that you've planned out your let's play for the day. I think that sounds fantastic. Woo. Okay. Well, if that's going to be the case, then a quick reminder to people, you can head over to bit.ly backslash KDS live. And that should take you uh, direct to our YouTube page for the Kyle Dempster studio stuff. We're going to work in 2017 to get more up there. It is kind of my goal um, probably by the end of this year, though I would like to do it much sooner that uh, I would like to have the podcast have a, like a live stream component to it as well. Um, definitely helps helps for like your search engine stuff to get out there. Cause YouTube is like super prioritized these days. So yeah. like is the first thing you search, which obviously, Obviously, to get Civcast out to these wonderful listeners, you know, we need help with that. So, great way to do it. And it always helps when you guys share it, retweet it, and post it on Reddit, stuff like that. Even just telling a friend word of mouth is amazing. And I love all the people out there that have done it because I've, I've gotten tweets like, oh, you know, I just told my friend to check out your show. So, hopefully, they're listening now. Um, so, again, huge thank you to everyone that has taken to the time to do that. If you care to go one step further, you can head over to patreon.com backslash Civcast. That is where you can donate to the show. We've got some cool uh, perks on the side there that you can 
check out, um, especially for, you know, just $5, the price of a cup of coffee these days, you can join the show and 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 uh be an awesome part of our community. We love the people that are um that are on here. Also, Dan, uh I'm going to call out our good friend Ricky Eed. I think we've been saying his name wrong. He tweeted me and was like, "It's not Edie, it's Eed." And I was like, "I'm sorry." My I'm bad, sorry. Ricky. I'm sorry. Hey, Kyle and pronunciations. We know this is not a thing. Uh I was I was actually going to make a pun about how I don't know how to say the Chinese leader's name and then I realized I'd probably actually Make it worse. So I'm you, not even. You'd mispronounce the pun. You'd mispronounce the joke yeah, and you'd double I down. Wanna, I don't want to make it offensive. If I say <laughs> no, that's fair. That's fair. So that's I'm going to skip it. I'm just going to let you guys know that it's it's Chinchi Huang, right? Chinchi. Uh, it's, it's like a TS sound. So it's like Chin Chin Chin. Yeah. See. Yeah. Yeah. Chinchi Huang. Yeah, you're getting there. You know what? I'm going to work. Someone will send us in some kind of tw- uh, tweet or email or something, just calling us out completely. Please do. If you have tomorrow yeah. off of work and you're listening to the show, write us a, a make it a nicely formatted email. Teach Kyle how to pronounce things in, uh, in, in you know, the Chinese pronunciation. I would appreciate that very much. Linguistics 101 for Kyle. Yeah, we all know I need it. Um, in the interim, oh, or if you're looking for a good place to send that, you can go over to kyledempsterstudios.com backslash civcast. We have a nice um, little built-in form there at the very bottom of the page where you can share your thoughts with us. Uh, if you submit to that, it should come straight to my inbox, and I get to those, and we usually call them out here on the show. So if you want it to be read, uh, that is awesome. Go ahead and send that. If for some reason you're sending something you don't want read, you can always preface and be like, hey, Keep this to yourself. Um, our email, I don't know why you'd want to, but hey, maybe you do. Maybe you have something you yeah, just need to tell. Us. Maybe you're getting yeah. something off your chest to Dan and I, and you don't want us to read it. And that is fine. We won't. We're your civ therapists, if you will. And that's going to be a, like a, yeah, we're going to start charging $500 an hour. I don't know. Seems fair. Um, fair. Civcastpodcast at gmail.com if you uh, would like to email us and sign up for our new therapy sessions. JK, we can't (laughs) offer those. Um, But if you do want to email us, that is civcastpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts. We love hearing the feedback. I mean, it really is why we're here doing this is to interact with you guys. Twitter, I'm at KyleDempster7. Dan is at DanTheMax. Uh, and the show is at Civ underscore cast. As a reminder for all of our podcast listeners, which I'm assuming you're getting this through an app that has uh, the show notes attached to it in some way, the description. If you go down there and look, all of this stuff is nicely written out for you. So you don't even have to think back to this episode. Like, what was their email? It's in your hand right now. Probably you're looking at it and just haven't realized it. So take a, a look down there. You'll find all the information. If you want to give us a review, we would love it. Share it with your friends. Uh, and Dan, I, I think we're set to, to to gallivant off into the distance and enjoy our uh, uh, our New Year's Day, the first day of January 2017. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm going to go do the most Canadian thing ever, which is skate around a frozen lake and have a... Oh, you lost you there. Skate around a frozen oh, lake and what? Oh, see, that's... <laughs> I ruined the joke. Cut off the key part, man. Sit around a frozen lake and have a beer at 11 o'clock in the morning. I mean, I can think of nothing more Canadian than that. That sounds great. Let's all go do that. Let's do it, everyone. Uh, you have frozen lakes in L.A.? No. Well, actually, we do have an ice skating rink in downtown, which is crazy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about an actual lake, dude. I'm I know. Lake. Well, uh, we definitely don't have one naturally frozen when it's uh, – <laughs> I, I don't know what it is right now. I think it's 52 degrees. So good luck, everyone. 
<laughs> you can go skate in our ocean. Uh, yeah. So until uh, that, then, that is also not recommended. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Let's take Dan's advice on this. So everyone, go enjoy your day. Uh, hopefully you have today off. Go enjoy the the new year and uh, check me out on YouTube today. We'll be posting stuff and look forward to Valter and Decentius 69 coming back to the show soon. We'll have lots of fun with that. So everyone, have a great time. Until next time, just one more turn. You're listening to CivCast on the Kyle Dempster Studios Network. For more shows like this, visit kyledempsterstudios.com.